I think this ties into where do our ideas of what constitutes success come from. All the usual suspects turn up. Society, family, culture, media, etc, etc. Sometimes they're overt, but I suspect that more often it's covert. Hidden messaging wrapped inside the stories we absorb when we're young. Welcome to the Henny Flynn podcast, the podcast that's all about deepening our self-awareness with profound self-compassion. I'm Henny. I write, coach and speak about how exploring our inner world can transform how we experience our outer world, all founded on a bedrock of self-love. Settle in and listen and see where the episode takes you. I've been pondering the idea of success. What is it? What does it mean when we do or don't achieve it? How does our perception of it change as we change? Beginning with that last question, how does our perception of success change as we change? My personal reflection is a lot. Not an erudite response perhaps, but gut felt. When I consider what I used to consider being successful meant and how I look at what I consider to be success today, there are marked distinctions. Though I expect that if I drilled in when I was younger, the things I feel are most important now would still have been there at the centre of things even then. Things like connection with others, self worth, good communication, a willingness to deal with difficult things face on, compassion (laughs) for myself and others. These are all things that it would be hard for anyone to deny are important success factors in any life. And yet we often devalue them in favour of other stuff often in favour of the trappings of material stuff or other kinds of external achievements in the hope that these physical or hierarchical rewards will in some way demonstrate to others and to ourselves that we have made it. We are enough. I think I may have mentioned before a handbag. I have. It's a mulberry bag, a gift from Anton a few years ago when I was still wanting to carry things like that on my commute into the city. It is such a beautiful thing, perfectly made, soft, stitched leather, an odd thing for a vegetarian of 30 years to own, perhaps. At the time, I really wanted that bag, or rather, I wanted the idea of that bag. It seemed to represent something to me, or perhaps a few things. I deserved it for all the hours I worked. It was a marker of my personal success. It showed others I was one of them. And just a few short months later, I came down with pneumonia again had a health crash 
and, well, lots of things changed. And with those changes came the realisation that I don't really like the bag. Or rather, the bag doesn't represent any of the things I'm looking for in my life today. It is still a beautiful thing. And I'm holding on to it for three reasons. Because Anton gave it to me as an act of love. And it was immensely special at that time. Because for now, it still serves as a useful reminder that stuff we own doesn't change anything. It's the stories we imbue in it and how we feel about it that makes the difference. And three, because it will become a classic one day and one day I'll hand it on to one of the young, wonderful young women in my life. I'm hoping they'll love it because it came from their aunt rather than all the things it represented initially for me. And as you look back across the years, are there things that you now recognise you had considered to be a marker of success that now hold less or little meaning for you? I think it's a curious thing to ask ourselves, maybe even a useful journaling prompt. So, on to question two, we're, we're working backwards through those initial three. Question two, what does it mean when we do or don't achieve success? I think this ties into where do our ideas of what constitutes success come from. All the usual suspects turn up. Society, family, culture, media, etc, etc. Sometimes they're overt, but I suspect that more often it's covert. Hidden messaging wrapped inside the stories we absorb when we're young in a desire to be considered good children, good students, good workers, good people. We place a range of success measures around ourselves and then feel shame or unworthiness if we fail. One online UK stress survey found that 60% of young people aged 18 to 24 have felt so stressed by pressure to succeed that they felt unable to cope. 60%. That's an enormous number. Because of course, when we do achieve success, we can become so bound up within it that we can't cope if we don't keep achieving and succeeding to those same high levels. And if we don't feel we have succeeded, it can lead to anxiety, depression, fear of not being good enough, eating disorders, insomnia, and worse. So how do we create a healthy balance? I'm curious about this because I sometimes find my old success factors come creeping in, making me question choices I've made in my own life. I see these moments as immensely helpful, like eventually, <laughs> as they give me a chance to re-establish those choices. And it's often useful to have a self-review to remind us of what we're doing and why we're doing it. But it doesn't feel so helpful when that review comes from a place of self-doubt. 
social media, of course, is a key lever in this. And actually, there's something I just want to interject here, which is, um, by chance, last week's episode, uh, which was a reflection on doubt from my journal from a few years ago, um, talked about this um, idea of doubt. And and actually, from the journal, there came a number of practical and um, and emotionally connected uh, ways of reflecting on doubt. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one and doubt is something you experience, then have a listen to episode five of season 11. So coming back to this idea of um, looking at our life from a place of self-doubt and how unhelpful that can be sometimes... Um, And the fact that social media is, of course, often a key lever in that kind of imbalanced thinking. Because it's not just adolescents who feel the impact of all that comparison with others. And I doubt there are many, if any, who've ever used a social media channel without unfavorably comparing themselves with someone else whether that's someone that they know really well or a complete and utter stranger. And the story within that is um, something like, they're more successful at X than me, whatever X might be. But maybe, if we really examine it, that boils down to a feeling that they're more successful at life than me. So partly the answer is self-awareness. Oh, and a healthy dose of self-compassion too. (laughs) And honestly, (laughs) these do seem to be the answer to most things. You know, when we are aware of the success criteria we're laying onto our own lives, then we can begin to determine, are those criteria unrealistic? Have they been Are they being imposed by others consciously or subconsciously? And then to ask, what do I feel true success looks like? And that brings us to question one, the first question I asked at the beginning of this whole episode. What is success? There are so many definitions when you Google it that I lost the will to trawl through them all and find the one I liked the most. <laughs> I literally gave up. It wasn't a very successful process, if you like. And essentially, I think success is something we each define for ourselves. Apparently, Einstein once said, failure is success in progress. I love that. I think it can help cut through imposter complex, which brings procrastination and perfectionism with it. Two factors that can play an enormous role in whether or not we consider ourselves or our actions a success. I also love Mark Twain's take on success. To succeed in life, you need two things, ignorance and confidence. This sense that really success is something that comes from a gut belief in what we're doing, that deep inner knowing that it feels right. And it's really this that drives our best outcomes. So my sense is 
that being aware of where our drivers for success are coming from is the vital aspect of all this. Is it coming from an overactive head? From stories we've inherited, adopted, or being conditioned to believe about what success looks like? Perhaps comparing ourselves against a standard we fear we can never quite meet. Is it coming from a wounded heart? From being overwhelmed with a feeling that if we don't get this right, whatever this is, we are a failure in some way. We may be rejected by others and no longer be seen to belong. Is it coming from a wise inner voice? Deep in the belly, the hara. From listening deeply to what we know is the truest truth, where we're willing to risk the comparison and the rejection to achieve what feels like our own definition of success. Of course, there are caveats to this. When we make changes in our lives, it can be wise to go gently, feeling our way as we heal our wounded heart and calm the overactive mind so we can learn to listen clearly to that wise inner guidance we all possess. And my own observation is that so often when we act from that place of deep inner connection and wisdom, others respond in ways that we might not expect. Our assumptions that we'll be rejected by those we love or be ridiculed in comparison with others fail to happen. And actually we're acknowledged for being simply more ourselves. Perhaps that's what success truly is. Being your self. So before I head off today, I just want to add uh, a brief point about the hara. I often talk about the head, the heart, the hara, and I have Sula uh, to thank for that. If those of you who've listened uh, to that episode um, where I interviewed Sula Demetrius, um, then you'll uh, you'll know I think of her as a very very wise woman. She's someone who was one of my guides um, in the early days of my own change journey, and I remember talking to her about how I often saw. Um, my way of thinking is coming from one of three places, my head, my heart, or deep in my belly. And she immediately said, the hara. And the hara encompasses in yogic terms, the root and the sacral chakra, the ancient and most primitive core of our psyche. And at a deeper level, the word hara means one's true nature who one truly is as a human being. And for me, the hara very much resides, you know, when I, when I place my hand on my belly, on my tummy, um, and check in with that deep inner wisdom, it's my hara that I'm checking in with. 
And I like the alliteration of head, heart, hara. Uh, You may enjoy that too, or not. (laughs) So I'd be curious to know how these reflections on success resonate with you. What does success mean to you? For you, does it also distill down into this one single point that success is being yourself? Or are there more factors to it that feel truer to you? There was something today, I shared a piece on um, social media and uh, someone wrote back that the hardest part for them is the discernment between when they're acting um, from a place of self-care or when this is perhaps being distorted by other things. And my response to her was that discernment really is at the heart of the art of self-care. And in this same way, I find checking in with this distinction between our head, heart, hara to be a really useful tool that helps me see where I'm operating from my rational, logical thinking mind, which is a wonderful thing and a great tool and I love it for everything it brings me. Or when I'm acting from that emotional place of the heart, that deep connection with the world around me, or when I'm acting from the place of the horror, the deep connection with my soul, the oneness, the universe, whatever language you might like. And all three serve us, all three have such value for us. And the important thing is to be able to discern which one is speaking when. And perhaps that's also part of my own definition of success, being able to see clearly when I am being my true self with a capital S. I'm actually going to share the words from this episode as a post somewhere, not quite sure where. I might put it onto Medium um, because it feels like there is a lot in what I shared. Um, Even after I wrote it and I went back to it, it felt like it was written from a deep place of flow and there were things in there that I needed to reflect on more deeply myself as well. So if that's the case for you, then please um, follow me on LinkedIn. Come and find me on uh, medium.com. I don't often post things on there, but I do occasionally. But this piece I'm definitely going to put on there if you'd like to read it in full uh, at more leisure. Okay. All right, my darlings. I am sending you so much love and a hug and a wave.